I literally just started listening to our podcast this week. Oh, have you? What would you listen to? <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. That is a good one. I think uh, they're about the Star Wars holiday special. I feel morally obligated to drink beer on this podcast. I'll just let you know. I just really don't it is like slowly, beer anymore. We have never officially stated this rule, but it uh, over the past, ever since the pandemic started, it has become a slightly intoxicated <laughs> podcast. I'm beginning to think that I, listening back and editing the episodes, that the alcohol has an adverse effect on my ability to explain my positions. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think there's any evidence or proof of this. But uh, it, it could be happening. I'll be honest. Uh, the the most inebriated we've I've been on this podcast might have been last week. I had like three before I even started talking about Sierra Madre. Yeah. Well, then I'm that's probably my to favorite episode. To it. I think last week Sierra Madre that was a good discussion. That's a great. Let's just get let's just get drunk and watch the most politically charged movie made in the last five years. That's a great idea. Can we can like, we stretch yeah, it to ten? Can we stretch it to the last 10 years and fit Gooby in there? You know, on a good day, I'm not good at, at expressing my ideas. So uh, let's hope that well, uh, our conversation on today's movie doesn't go wrong. Well, we're going to need it for these movies. But yeah, first, Jacob, I believe you have a review for us. Yes, yeah, so a quick, a new a quick review. Film out. And a bit of a recommendation. Um, I This week, Artemis Fowl was released, or was it last week? Sometime in the last week or so, Artemis Fowl was released on streaming, unceremoniously dumped on Disney Plus, to be more more accurate. Because I don't know if either of you remember, but the trailer came out two years ago, Early 2018. Did it? Yes. Wow. And then it got what? delayed, and then re-edited by the studio, and then COVID came around, and they just were like, nope, we're not going to release it anymore, and dumped it on disney plus which is gonna i feel like we're gonna see a lot more of that yeah yeah i feel like mulan's coming to disney plus this it's an interesting film um nick i know chandler has it nick did you ever read the book artemis fowl i have not what, what? Okay. i don't have it i don't know i know chandler you haven't i oh 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 okay sorry okay. ent yeah. yes here's the thing with artemis fowl it it may be I, we have discussed this before that Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man, Tell No Tales is the worst like big blockbuster we've seen. Yes. Or at least one of them. And I think this gives it a run, a very decent run for its money as one of the most nonsensical oh, no. high budget productions of all times. That's This sounds very exciting. And I'm actually it, curious about this. It is <laughs> a... He's conf- selling it pretty well. He's doing the opposite effect. He no, no, no. Let me let me tell you. I got excited to watch this because it was so poorly rated, online, everywhere, Letterboxd, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb. It's getting decimated. This, I looked up. This is on IMDb. It has like a four point one, and it is it barely, I think, beats out Avatar: The Last Airbender for being just a little below it in terms of like worst rated blockbusters on there. So that's the kind of quality we're talking about here. But it, it's not as exposition heavy in the way okay. that that movie is, because uh, that movie is just boring, and this one is boring but completely nonsensical. So it's kind of entertaining in that way. So it gets creative with its horribleness. Yeah, the thing is, is that 
the thing that I was most upset about is, and you might have seen my letterbox review on this, is that they took the book and they essentially like distilled it down to its basic, not even basic ideas, just like the basic ideas of the world it's set in, and then made a completely new plot to put onto that. Okay, and, now here's my question. Yeah. How, how do you like the book? Are you a fan of the book? You've read the book, but... I read the book a while ago. It was I, more of like a childhood thing. Okay, I was about to say, because it seems more like a young adult, like uh, a little kid's type book. I have really good memories of it, but that's all there. Okay. So I have not revisited it in a while. The thing about the book that makes it interesting is that the world it's set in is not particularly original, and the plot is the interesting part of it. And it's like the, the characters out. and the story of the film is interesting, but the world it's set in isn't particularly original. Mm. It's interesting, but not original. And the problem with the film is that it takes the unoriginal backdrop and makes that the whole point of the film and gets rid of the unique characters and plot which is the most nonsensical thing I can think of because the plot of the book is essentially Lord of the Rings and Die Hard and Inception. Like it, it's, it's, a, it's a fantasy heist thriller, which if I can be completely honest with you, it wasn't until this week. I don't know why I can't explain where in my past I may have made this connection. I thought Artemis Fowl for some reason was a spin-off of Harry Potter. I don't know why. Because the, the they name, all came out in that era. And... Yeah. The name always sounded vaguely wizard-like to me. It wasn't until recently that I realized that it was its own thing. You guys really got to get all... a visual version of this show so you, the, the audience can see how hard I'm cringing at that <laughs> remark. <laughs> I just... It wasn't until I saw like Judy Dench in a weird elf crown that I was like, wait, this probably isn't Harry Potter. <laughs> and then I, I've seen little snippets of the movie and I'm not going to watch the movie because I don't share the same passion for just awfulness as you do, Jacob. But I will say I can already tell it's going to be shit because it prominently features Josh Gad and Josh Gad is a parasite. He that narrates. Is a, that, that is a great point. Josh Gad we can narrates really dive into that. Josh Gad he's is in all of it. Do you, you know when you see a great white shark and underneath the shark's belly you see those little fish like eating the dirt off the shark's armpit? <laughs> that is Josh Gad with Disney. Oh no. And I, 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 I have just, to admit I don't I, have as little of an opinion of him, but uh, he did not do the movie any favors. My opinion is so small. Of Josh, Josh Gad, Gad was the original Broadway cast of Book of Mormon. And now was he's he out really? Here. He really was. And now he's out there like just Book making shithole Disney movies. There, there is one lumps of thing, cash. <laughs> there is one thing that Josh Gad has been in that I like, and and that is the show New Girl with Zoe Deschanel. Ah. He plays a character named Bearclaw. He is. So, I won't even say he's good. He's tolerable in that. Everything else, I hate Josh Gad. Anything with Josh Gad and Zoe Deschanel in the same show, like. I'm, I'm gonna watch it with a hazmat suit on <laughs> anything, anything with josh gad in it i'm gonna uh, automatically assume oh you'll like it as a preteen and hate it as an adult yeah literally everything he's in yeah okay you're being harsh there <laughs> frozen is a good movie Don't it's okay me. at he was in the uh he was the he was the vaguely vaguely gay character in the beauty and the beast oh don't uh, don't even IRL get me started remake that... thing oh disney gay that was yeah so like disney gay so 
so he walks the walk Disney, but doesn't talk to talk. Disney has like Disney a patented gay. version of being gay. Like there's a separate <laughs> subgenre of being gay. That let's just get let, in, in let's Disney. just deep dive into this, Jacob. Let's get more alcohol no, in and just really. I, I really this I really enjoy the way I think God. it was. I think it was uh, the ter- a term that Mike Staklasa invented, which is passive progressive, which is yes. is the perfect title for this because you were just gay that enough to appeal to like no Huffington one. Post writers in America, but not gay enough to like offend China. For for no for the idiots that would be against it to realize that's what it is. Well, to yeah. be fair, the the level the level of gayness in the Rise of Skywalker was not little enough because it offended Singapore enough that Disney took it out. Did it? Yeah. Oh no, that's oh cringe. no, poor that's Singapore. So I can't believe I there's still countries that do that. That's cringe. Where I forgot where the gayness was in the Rise of Skywalker. It's at the very end when everyone's celebrating oh, uh, their victory. Yeah. There's literally two just two women in the background, in the background isn't it? Oh or is it two God. men? I don't remember. Two women. But like, it's so random. Really? But anyways, how is Artemis Fowl? Anyways, just imagine a film where every bit of potential from the A-list cast to the ideas of the original novelist trying to adapt to any character is just made cliched and wasted potential. And it's only 90 minutes. That's its saving. Oh, okay. Actually, that's not even a saving grace because it, it it's so complicatedly bad. I think it it deserves someone. I don't think it, it's me. I don't think it's us. It needs someone to deep dive into it because it's wow. I, what I love is <laughs> part of me secretly hopes secretly. Part of me is like if Judy Dench kicked the bucket right now, her last two movies would be Cats and Artemis Fowl. <laughs> Oh no. Jesus Christ. Please. Alright, so we else. lost all we lost all the gay <laughs> listeners. We lost all the Judy Dench fans. Judy Dench, so please do like a run of the mill before you die. <laughs> please, for the love of God, beg Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Get in one of his movies. Oh, I'll take please. the role of Michael Caine. I'll just be Michael Caine's character. At Michael the beginning Caine's and end mother. of the film. <laughs> Remember that remember that cringe scene where Michael Caine's like reciting a monologue in a, in his dying bed in Interstellar? I never saw Interstellar. Oh, oh you mean the poem? Don't go good night. Don't go gently into that good night. That's a good poem. That's a good scene. But it's I just don't know what really, you're talking about, dude. It's just really stupid. You know, it's right, only anyways. stupid if you're not willing to Mike- let the love into your heart, Nick. <laughs> okay. All I'm picturing is Michael Caine standing over Judy Dench's tombstone. It says <laughs> Judy Dench. It cites cats and Artemis Fowl. And Michael Caine's just like, I failed you. He's like, I'm, Michael Caine's like, I'll put you under the tree. Where? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's Forrest, Forrest Gump. I was trying to make a Forrest Gump yeah. joke. I got no, it. No, you made a Forrest Gump joke. It's just not funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, so this was Artemis Fowl is directed by Kenneth Branagh. And I think that this is it really? Yeah, we. Oh, I, I thought no. I mentioned that last week. This, I think. Oh, it, you might have. I forgot. That's this. This, this expands the interestingness of him as a director. It like, does. It it's it not does. a boring. Um, it's not like something you forget or something that is completely disregardable. It's so fascinating what it is. I think it makes Kenneth Branagh 
his his filmography much more intriguing to look at as like a whole because he's gone from Hamlet, which was filmed in 70 millimeter, four hours, huge epic production, well received. And then you're getting like Disney Plus dumped, terrible, Hell terrible hell. action film. Didn't he didn't he direct some of the Thor movies? He directed the first one. Okay. Which that's, that's, I, I will claim a... is not as bad as a lot of people think it is, but no, it's, no, it's not. Thor's great. No, Thor Dark fine. World is the one that's bad. It, it's the most forgettable film of all time in my book. but It's horrible. No. The most forgettable film of all time is the Jason Bateman comedy Office Christmas Party. Which I've never seen, so I, I, I literally forgot that movie existed. So that was a great literally movie. the only reason I remember that film because I constantly cite it as the most forgettable film of all time. So has anyone else watched anything, or is it just Jacob being the sadist here? I don't watch as much as I, I usually do. So I mean, I just I just binge YouTube channels. You know me. So I I just want to take a quick moment to highlight the movies I watched this week, which isn't a lot. I'm still doing my three a week minimum, but I did watch two movies I want to talk about briefly. Uh, one, I'll be very brief, is Swallow. Have you heard of this movie? I have, yes. Yeah. It looked interesting, the trailer. It It is pretty good. It is pretty good. It is a movie w- about um, a woman with this disease called, I don't know if it's Pika or Pika, where you have an, a weird urge to swallow inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. So she swallows thumbtacks, batteries marble it's just it's disgusting and it does take some very interesting turns in the third act i think is you know makes it a little better there's just this weird sense of filmmaking i don't enjoy that is super clinical you have ultra attractive people in your casts and you have super modern art uh or architecture it's it's a very personal thing that i don't like in movies but overall decent movie but the movie I'm excited to briefly mention is The Great Escape. Good movie. Which I know Jacob has seen. Yes. Jacob, I liked this movie, but just like a movie we're about to talk about, I felt like it was like 40 minutes too long. I think the great the thing with The Great Escape is that you <laughs> either... The movie we're about to talk about, it like hit me. Took me a second. You either get into like that feeling, like there's some kind of nostalgia yeah. for that simple kind of classic Hollywood depiction of World War II, and you either get into yeah. that and you just go with it, or it's just a little long. Either way, I think it's a well-made movie, but I... It is a well-made movie. Even as someone who likes very it quite well a bit, I do agree it's probably too long. I can't even, like, thinking about it, it's like two and a half hours, right? Yeah. I can't even it's tell you three. what happens. It's two hours and 52 minutes. I can't even tell you what happens in that three hours. It, okay, the thing is, it's never boring, really. Um, but what blows my mind is that this is okay. So this is a camp made for people in other POW camps that try to escape too much. They, they make a camp specifically for these people who try to escape too much to put them in. So they don't escape. The other one that they came from was run by the Luftwaffe. And this one is run by the Gestapo, the secret police, the SS, I think. Yeah. Which is weird because they have these weird little moments of like rivalry between the Luftwaffe and the SS. Um, But the thing is, so this is a tailor-made prison for people who have a knack for escaping. And they are, this is like, it's not a POW camp at all. It It is a wilderness retreat with walls. These people can just walk around. There's no labor. There's, there's no like, 
it, it's these a people rose tinted able... version of exactly Nazi, which is something that I can't. POW camps. Re- they are asking for suspense of disbelief. I cannot provide because not a few miles away, you have camps where people don't even have their names anymore. They're being murdered, Holocaust stuff. And then these guys just this camp made for ambitious escapees can freely congregate about how they're going to escape. So I can't get over let that. me qualify that because <laughs> that seems like an entirely you thing. It does. And, no, not, and I can't no, get over a bad thing. Like, yeah, you either get on board with the premise of the film or you don't. But if you don't, that doesn't mean the movie's bad. No. And I think it's overall a, a really good movie. It's just that that bothers me so much. Right. Because I have movies in the, like that. In, yeah. In, in one of the first scenes where you're introduced to the leader of this prison, who has like, who tells that one British officer, you're going to tell me what the prisoners do or whatever. He makes him seem like this big bad guy. But there are little to no stakes or consequences for what these people do. But overall, it was a good movie. I like Charles Bronson. I like, this is my first ever Steve McQueen movie. I know everybody talks about the famous motorcycle jump at the end of it. And I thought it was just weird. <laughs> it's like a really wide shot of Steve McQueen failing to jump over a barbed wire fence. I'm like, oh, that's the thing everybody is talking about. But really good movie. Just wanted to point that out. Shall we move on to the movie at hand? Yes, the movie at hand. So the first film we're talking about. Speaking this week, of movies that are way too long, I actually thought of a movie I watched. By the way, oh, I don't know if you want. To oh, okay, I'd like to hear. Okay, you don't watch all that much, so I had to look up Letterboxd. I literally, it's been so long since I watched a movie, but this is the latest movie I've seen, other than the movie we were supposed to watch. I recently, I probably already talked to you guys about this, but I recently watched. Um, this is Spinal Tap. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, because, you know, I'm just big in I've been, you know, mockumentaries. I cut a 20 minute mockumentary for a year. So, I mean, I'm big on mockumentaries <laughs> now. So I watched. It's good. <laughs> I'm like, OK, well, this is like this pretty much invented mockumentaries. So this this is going to be like the pinnacle. This is going to be like they they invented the wheel with this. And so I went in with that expectation and I, I came out like sorely disappointed I didn't think yeah. it was I didn't really think it was that good. I didn't laugh very much. There's like a couple parts where it's like, "Oh, that's funny," but it's like humor that is just so like obnoxious. Like th- they went on with like a 5-minute bit about the volume 11 thing and I'm just like That part's kind of funny. That part's I, I was kind of laughing, but like halfway through I'm just like rolling my eyes. I'm like Nick, they're still Nick. they're still doing this bit. But this podcast goes to 11. Yeah, and then he and then he's like he's like, well, "Why didn't you just He's like, well, why didn't you just increase the volume of level 10 and then just keep it level 10? And then the guy just kind of stares at it for a second. He's like, but these ones have 11. And then it just like hard cuts to the next there, scene. There That's are great. Two, That's funny. There are two really good jokes in that movie. That and when they reveal the Stonehenge yep. uh, prop. Oh, the mini Stonehenge prop is pretty funny too. I forgot about that. That was pretty funny. But overall, I feel like most mockumentaries, they're either really funny the first time, or it's like what we do in the shadows, where you're like, that was kind of funny, and you watch it again yeah, and again. Yeah, that's what, I, that's really what I've, I've kind of, I, I kind of thought about that. I was like, maybe it'll be funnier a second time. Because, I mean, this always gets talked about. when Like, every list yeah. I've ever seen of, like, the funniest movies ever, it's, like, always in there. I'm like, it wasn't even that funny. So, I mean, maybe it's I'll fine. give it another shot, but upon first watch, I was not impressed. I'd rather just watch what we do in the shadows. No, but I think this. I think the subtitle for this episode will be "This podcast goes to 11. So, 
<laughs> naming an entire podcast episode off of this two minute review yeah. of Spider-Man. I did watch um speaking of mockumentaries, I watched The Death of Stalin. Oh yeah. Again. Good movie. And that's a good one. That's a great that's not a mockumentary It's kind of filmed it's filmed in like a documentary. It is filmed in a documentary style, style, but there's yeah. never any yeah. That's that movie's great. Yes. I've come to the conclusion that when I was growing up, the film that I would watch the most on repeat was Monty Python and the Holy Grail as just like mm-hmm. something I put on the background. It's funny. I don't have to pay attention to it, but if I do, it's great. And I've come to the conclusion that the adult version of that film is the death of Stalin. Cause it's always on Netflix. It's easy to put on and it's true. it goes by quick and you can kind of like zone out for it a little bit that you can come back in. Yeah. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's hilarious. Like it, it never gets, Super funny, but it's always interesting. It's a good movie. It is consistently pretty funny, but I just find the premise to be very interesting. I find that whole that that history, that area to be very interesting, just how fucking paranoid everybody was all the time. Just that just insane Stalin era paranoia just makes everything a little bit funnier. And I still think the funniest scene is the opening scene with Patty Considine trying to get the chorus back together because Stalin wanted to That's the movie. best part. That is the best part. Well, I, I have a... Uh, and anything with Steve Buscemi in it. Obviously. Oh, Steve Buscemi is great. Steve Buscemi. Actually, I think another one, is, another one of my favorite jokes in that film is when they're, they're complaining about the doctors that they get to, uh, mm-hmm. to get Stalin. And then first it's his daughter that comes and, and reams them out. And then the son comes in. He's like, you're not even a person. You look like a testicle. And they're just like <laughs> shouting at them, you're dead. I love that the son is constantly trying to hide the fact that his hockey team died in a horrific plane crash. <laughs> just terrified that that's going to come out. Oh, that's a <laughs> great The movie. entire Russian hockey team He's so upset. died in a plane He's crash. He's like really trying yeah. to hide it. It's a really traumatic event but, for him. But what always gets me about that movie is just how dark it gets towards the end when they have to kill. Is it Beria? Beria, uh, yeah. 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 Oh, man. The way they kill him, it's just, it's just oh, it's sad. But also, he's a fucking horrible person. So yeah, it's I, I have another. I will reference the death of Stalin in our second film this week. Make a joke during oh, that time. Oh, so we'll, interesting. But you we'll you're not later. invited, Nick. No, you're not. All right. So but shall we go? What Nick is invited to is a film that I will yeah. let someone else introduce. Who wants to take it? You want me to do it? Nick, introduce the film. Yeah, do it. Okay, guys. So this film we watch is called the The Juice of a Cranberry. Um, it stars. What was that other movie called? I didn't watch that one. The The Color of Pomegranates. Oh, The enough. Juice of a Cranberry hey, really is a good second place. <laughs> you're really close. I'm gonna write that down. That'll be okay. So okay. So title. am I given synopsis or am I given full plot? Am I given a log line? Just give the synopsis. Spoiler fear. Synopsis free, director. Okay, so I just explain what the movie is and then yeah. Okay. This week's movie that they made me watch is called The Five Bloods. It's the uh, newest uh, uh, big Netflix film with a auteur filmmaker, Spike Lee. Um, this is a film about four Vietnam vets that go back to Vietnam a sometime later. I don't. I'm assuming it's just present day. So however long it's been, uh, to. Yeah find the body of their oh, deceased uh, squad mate as well as find the gold that they hid 
I was about to like reveal plot details there. I probably shouldn't. But um, I guess what do I think about it? Do I just go into that? Or yeah, we'll we'll start with our our general uh, thoughts and opinions on the film. Okay, so here I'll do this thing. I'll do the transition. So Chandler, what did you think of the Five Bloods? I feel like uh, this movie, along with pretty much every other Spike Lee movie I've seen, except for Do the Right Thing, I can say the same thing about. I liked it, but it's a mess. That's yeah, a great, that's a great I liked way. That's a great way to summarize it. I think we're all going to have a very similar kind of base opinion on this film because I would 100% this... agree. And I'm coming at it from a specifically like a thematic level. I think the film is it was it was interesting. I, I had my attention, but at the end, I felt that Spike Lee was going for too much. And that I never got like a consistent yeah. kind of thematic through point well, throughout the entire film. Yeah. The thing about Spike Lee's movies, again, the the ones I've seen, they are movies that never have bad scenes, but they are just edited so weird and structured in such a weird way that there's it's it's all good, but you Spike Lee has it's this weird, Spike Lee has good. this weird style where it almost seems like he intentionally tries to break continuity with the editing. Where like the edits are just they're just kind of like strangely placed together where you're like very keen on the cuts as you're watching the film. It like pulls you out of the movie almost. And it ha- it happens it's, a lot in this movie. It's especially. not even the it's not even the moment-to-moment stuff that bothers me. It's the way that some scenes go on too long and some scenes just end. And there's a lot that can be cut all the time. This movie is like 30 minutes too long. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the stuff I like, I really like. There's a lot of stuff in here that I really like. There's, it, It's all spread out, though, too much. And I felt yeah. that yes. it, someone too much needed other to like just in the middle. push it together a little bit. Because I was noticing, particularly in the middle of the film, where certain events that like there starts to be a little tension in the film. Mm. and But that tension is separate. Like, here's tension scene. Tension scene ends. Here's character scene character scene ends and now we're on to a different thing like they're very specifically cut up almost at certain parts in the film and i felt that these things could have been slightly mushed together where things are overlapping and there's multiple more than one feeling that's trying to be that's going for at one time instead of just creating so much separation between the scenes spike had so many good ideas i think there's a lot of cool character things here it's just too much it's just too much of a mess it's 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 almost like just like a splatter painting where you're like oh those are a bunch of nice colors but they're just all over the place in different shapes and sizes and you can't even really make anything of it but you're like no you're okay it's, uh, it looks kind of well, nice it's, it's i'll hang it up in my face it's kind room, of a I guess. Char- it has character study elements in it and it follows a bunch of characters and one in particular but i never got a real grasp on any of them to the point where I felt I was fully yeah. satisfied by it. I thought sure. they were really great stuff, but nothing, I felt like there could have been more cohesiveness to all of that and to the focus on the characters, which the film was about characters. And at sometimes it kind of gets distracted by other Vietnam-esque by, things. It's very, it's very tonally all over the place too. I think there's like a very, the beginning has a very clear tone and message 
And like, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you've ever seen a Spike Lee movie, you know what I'm talking about. And then in the set, like once the second act starts, maybe halfway through the second act or whatever, it just like, I feel like it just becomes a movie thematically completely about something else. Like it just completely shifts and it's kind of, I don't know, it's strange and it, it, it leaves you kind of unsatisfied. It goes from Spike Lee's Apocalypse Now to Spike Lee's Treasure of the Sierra Madre. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> It's true. Um, the, the 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 moment where I realized that Spike Lee needs to fucking chill was when they. I don't know. If this is a spoiler. I mean, uh, I think we're pretty much they, done with our well, overall okay. thoughts. Let's so, just yeah, finish it's, our it's, overall it's, thoughts real quick. It, it the film is led by a group of really great performances. The lead performance amazing. is amazing. There's not a single bad. The P, I don't even, the can PTSD you even call him the lead though? Is, is amazing. So that's Delroy Lindo as paul yeah delroy um, lindo great job buddy. probably you know i think we're all going to agree kind of the standout performance there no absolutely i think yeah a He's large English, part of that is way. that he gets screen time and actual plot is devoted to him more so than a, a lot, lot of, of the characters. plot is devoted to him yeah well because i really enjoy is his name otis otis yes which one otis is gosh i don't remember the, the, the one with the the vietnamese girl and the child. Oh, yes. I like Otis. Spoiler, yeah, that, that's spoiler like alert, that but that happens very quickly in the film. So, I think his performance is just as good. He just doesn't have nearly as much to do. I wanted to see more of of Otis and his. Otis is great. Little that, thing. That's see. Okay, I got. I, I just thought woman. of. I just thought of something to talk about for a spoiler. So, you just reminded me. Of, so of something it's a good movie. It's on Netflix. If you're into this sort of thing, I don't know if you like Spike Lee. Watch it. Yeah, yeah I would say that. <laughs> You definitely have to like Spike Lee to like this movie, I feel like. If you don't like Spike Lee's style yeah. at all, this is going to drive you crazy. Well, the thing It'd be is fine, you Spike just might not Lee, get a lot out of it. Yeah. Spike Lee, the reason I love Spike Lee is also the reason I kind of hate Spike Lee at times, is that he is not subtle. He just all. makes what he wants, man. He does not care at all. He, he it's, not, it's not even that he makes what he wants, he tells you what his movies are about <laughs> most of the time. And Do the Right Thing, and Do the Right Thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. And do the right I love thing, Do the Right Thing. That, That's like probably my favorite gr- movie. But Do the Right that, Thing is the most unsubtle movie ever made. Exactly. But it works because it's yes. an angry, unsubtle movie mm-hmm. with characters that are angry at each other. It's taking a this strong movie, emotional stance on what it's saying. Yes. It's very strong. It's very passionate. Whereas something like Black Klansman, which I also like, has moments of equal unsubtlety where they have they find out... Now there's a scene in Black Klansman where they find out that um there's a kkk member in the state legislature or congress or whatever and bolt and adam driver's like well you know just be glad it's here and you know we'll never have a president that's this racist and i'm just like oh spike yeah that but <laughs> and you get some of that the thing here is, too. In this movie, you get a lot of that you here. do you get a lot of that here and the thing about spike lee is that he he his heart is always in the right place and he always makes movies that are this movie has a lot that um i think is very relevant specifically to the current protests but this movie was filmed like a year and a half beforehand so obviously there's a there's the argument that can be made that shit doesn't change and spike lee knows that but i think spike lee also just understands just how deep a lot of our problems go and just how easy it is to be feel that way and in those moments i like him but but sometimes to get to those moments 
he brings the movie to a screeching yeah, halt. Yeah, he just stops the movie. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was talking like, about. There's like PSA moments. There's yeah. PSA moments in this film for sure. Like when the 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 okay, lead I character guess lead parentheses. Yeah. So well, no, really. no, not really. Okay. Okay. Here, well, go ahead. Finish your yeah, thought, and then we can say. I was going to say the lead. They they have a very um, out of nowhere discussion about Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and obviously this is something that. Um, uh, you know, it, it sort of pertains to the plot at hand, but the way that they present it, it just seems like, oh, we got to put in a, a, a anti-presidential message here. Let's stop everything else and focus on this for a minute or two. Okay, that's over. Let's get back to the gold. Whereas in his other movies, like the, the ones I really like are Do the Right Thing in the 25th Hour, and his political commentary is built into the actual narrative. Yeah, into Whereas the this, plot. Yes. He has so much to say, but he doesn't know how to say it. So, spoilers from now, here on out. Uh, okay, spoilers. It's, it's interesting that we're talking about Treasure of the Sierra Madre and Apocalypse Now, and I think they're both kind of interweaved throughout the entire narrative. Um, there's not like a split break between influences. And the whole second act, is, second half of the film really, is them going to get the gold. And it was calling upon the ideas of Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is about greed and its influence. And then you have the character... Elsa has a very subtle reference to Sierra Madre. You blink and you might miss it. And But there's also Paul, who starts to go uh, off the deep end near the end there. And then you also have the the temple that they go to for the final shootout that had very reminiscent vibes to the temple at the end of uh, Apocalypse Now where Kurtz is at. And the point being with all of that is that in those films, you have a very clear main idea. Greed in Treasure of the Sierra Madre and then kind of the madness of war in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And I, like, Spike Lee, the plot and the themes and the ideas that he wants to get across, which are interesting, that I wanted to know more about, I wanted to understand more, they're almost running completely separately. They are. That the plot has almost little to do with what it's- he's trying to say. And that was frustrating, particularly at the end, where I felt I wanted to get more into maybe what Paul's character was saying, or it has a very gets very yeah. political at the very end, as Spike yes, has to do. Yes. And like it's, it, I felt nothing necessarily. It's a movie that's about like greed, and grief, and regret, and war, PTSD, and disenfranchisement, and PTSD. It's it's about, but it never. You're right. It never connects these things together. No. And, um, I think a huge part of that is that. Uh, structurally this movie has so many moments in characters that don't matter the biggest one to me is the the one character who's the easily the worst character in this movie the only one i don't really care about who is the one who used to be rich and then who isn't mm-hmm. eddie I think. oh yeah i feel like did. that that reveal does nothing they give him a huge character moment <laughs> they just kill him like right when i was starting to care about the it's character a little bit, they just kill all him. i know is that guy yeah all i know is that guy used to be rich and he's pigeon-toed that's the only thing i know about that character yeah even the other character the the larger man he has a personality to him and but the character is not that deep but the movie doesn't care that much about him 
Mm-hmm. Otis and Paul are the two characters I care the most about, but even they have stuff that I just don't. It doesn't matter. What does Paul's or Otis's daughter have anything to do with the movie? I was about to say that. I think that he literally put that character into the film so that they could have that part at the end where they like meet each other and hug. Like he just wanted that scene in there at the end for a sentimental moment. And so he just added that character in there. The only thing that I see that character and her daughter accomplishing in this whole movie is that they gave Otis a gun. Yeah. I mean, in terms of plot and that gun and that gun is this big dramatic moment when Paul finds it. And then Paul just takes the gun and you kind of forget that they, he ever packed the gun. But the, the the moment that I was just so mad at unnecessarily, because around an hour and a half into this movie, I'm just thinking, okay, I, th- we could have done this in 45 minutes to an hour. But when they find the gold, they're in that they scene find for one 20 bar. minutes. <laughs> they, they find one bar of gold, and then they go down the hill, and they find the suitcase. Then they dig out the suitcase, and they pull out the suitcase, and they realize there's no gold in the suitcase. And then Paul starts to freak out that there's no gold in the suitcase. And then they find more bars and you spend like the next two minutes as they find bar after bar. And I'm just like, and then why? they celebrate for and more time. And it's playing sentimental then, music yeah. and they celebrate every time they find one. Here, here's it what I'm talking about. so long. When I said earlier that things are separate is that after that, there's a scene where the rich guy gets blown up. And 30 minutes earlier, there's a scene where they talk about the landmines. And I feel like that's great. Landmines. You have a great source of yeah. of tension that you could be building into them looking for gold and just running like wild people around this hill. Yeah, and have and yet, like have like the one scene where the guy's like, maybe we should be careful about landmines, guys. That's it. That's all you got. Simple do. things that Spike, would make it more so engaging easy. on that level. Spike, call me, man. We can do. We can fix this. We can make this right. And then it would make that scene where he just gets blown up by the landmine a little bit more built up to. And it's kind of well, kind know. of the way it's introduced too is it's you know um uh Jonathan Lamb. Jonathan Majors. Majors I have no I don't remember at all what the character's name is but I love David. Jonathan Majors in this film mm-hmm. by the way he's very charming very char- I want to see that guy Jonathan in Majors movies. is a good man yeah I love him I love Jonathan he Majors. has that scene where he's flirting with the European girl at the bar um and she's just like I I. She's like, I do landmines. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's going to be, there's, someone's going to blow up from a landmine in this movie because they just, she just randomly out of nowhere has a job in landmines. And it's just like so unsubtle. It's like, okay, uh, I, have a, I have a career in uh, having your characters die from landmines in the middle of the, of the movie. The thing about landmines is that the significance of them in Vietnam is that they are a scar on the land. Yeah. That hasn't gone away that like these little literal mines of residues of this war that didn't need to happen Mm -hmm. that was entirely ideological and one of the things i like the film has two separate in the beginning it's talking about like vietnam and there's a lot of really interesting stuff about like getting over the vietnam war about how these are vets and they're going to vietnam which is modern and new and has gotten seems to have gotten over the war and then there's this the scene where the um the old Viet Cong toast them and all that and i felt there was a really interesting movie to be had with dealing yes. with the scars of vietnam with the fact yeah. that the the role that african americans played in that war and yet the film 
kind of forgets about the Vietnam War. (laughs) That's the last scene that involves anything related to the Vietnam War. Well, that's the the thing is I'm telling you, that's why it's it's half Apocalypse now, half Sierra Madre, because once the gold comes out, it, it, it becomes a completely different movie about greed in these characters. Um, but then again, but, it's not even about greed. Like, there's nothing being no, said there. No! So. Because it's only him that's going, uh, uh, Paul, that's going crazy about greed, and he isn't just going crazy about greed. It's more about guilt. If anything, he's... Yeah, it's more about guilt and grief. But, I, you know, I, do, I don't want to, like, completely shit on this movie because there are things that frustrate me. There's a lot that I really like. Mm-hmm. I really think the scene where Jonathan Major steps on the landmine is very well. Done. That is great. It's I very tense. That. I don't believe. I don't believe in the. Scene. I don't believe in the science behind the whatever they do. No, there. I don't either. I don't but I whatever. That, all that, but it was. I definitely. I would have tried a yeah. uh, like a Raiders of the Lost Ark gold switcheroo mm-hmm. with him. But I found the scene where um, Paul has a dream with um, Storm and Norman, and he forgives them. I found oh, that, that was to be... whole, that was a great scene mm-hmm. too. I really enjoyed that. that. Was just, that just and the so and sad, the fourth wall the fourth wall monologue from Paul when he's in the forest too is great. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. liked that. Yeah, that's that's the kind of Spike Lee that I like. Where that's it yes. Is, it's Very in any other way or any other movie, it would be annoying style in a film. But yeah, <laughs> I do I do want to say the one thing that I just I just didn't care for was. Um, when they they had the first flashback and they land the plane, they're fighting. I just thought it was such lazily shot action. Did you notice um, there was music over that entire scene? The mu- okay, I that's another thing that it. bothers me. The music is annoying. The music is constant. It's overbearing. In that, in that scene in particular, it was particularly egregious. Yes, but but towards the end, it gets pretty overbearing too. Um, but yeah, you know, I love the the scenes where they're on the 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 Vietnam version of the gondola. You know, mm-hmm. I thought all that looks great. Um, but yeah, there's just the, that's another one of those things are, you just are, reminded are too me. Too few. The, uh, the finish your thought. I'm sorry. Okay, things keep. Coming. Oh, that, no, that's it. I, I was finishing. Oh, I was gonna say another. I, I know. I know we're in the positive section of the film of the film, but another thing that annoyed me that I just remembered and left. I. I what, as this film, like, I don't know if it was just me or not, but about, like, 15 minutes in, I was I was sensing, um, I, I, I kind of was like, oh, no. I have a feeling this is going to be really bad. Um, and I was a little concerned. And the biggest <laughs> hit to me was this stupid shot of them dancing through the club. And it lasts, the shot itself lasts maybe 45, 50 seconds. Of, and it's the exact same thing the whole time. It's just them dancing in a line through the nightclub and I'm at least like, it was visually what? interesting it's yeah it looked okay it was it looked it was, okay it but like well what i don't understand it there's just like so many weird little style things that Spike Lee fits in like there's a there's a couple more of these weird like tracking long takes there's one of them outside on the strip too i i enjoy those yeah one Spike Lee signature that i enjoy is the um I don't know what I don't know what the name of it is. It's when the characters are still, but they're moving towards you, and the backgrounds change. Oh yeah, he did that again at the Klansman. end. Yeah, I did it in Black. Klansman yeah, it was in Black Clansman well. as well. I like those. That's a very, that's becoming a, a new Spike. Spike Where the state. actors are on the dolly with the camera. Yeah, yeah. Let me say this about the that tracking shot of them through like the the town. They're walking through Ho Chi Minh City, and I really like that. As opposed to another scene in the film where they're on the, the gondola, the barge down the, the river, and it's 
Paul dealing with this is the first time he really starts talking about how he he sees things from his past about he starts the scene is about Paul and yet they're having a conversation like they're all trying to calm him down and the camera keeps cutting back and forth and Delroy Lindo is giving a really great performance and then we're cutting all around to these characters and like you're cutting too much stay with who the scene is about Paul so stay with him which is why I really like that tracking shot because the scene is about the group therefore the shot is dictated <laughs> by that and group. it's following yeah. the group yeah so he knows what he's doing and then other times it's just like stop cutting the movie itself seems to me uh, pretty low budget just in general i feel like that might have been a budgetary thing um had a pretty good budget there though. is one yeah okay yeah maybe it's maybe it was, they blew it on chadwick boseman yeah and i i did like his i did like the party played in this film I almost feel like they like should have. I feel like they should have. They should have brought his boasted that part of the film up and used it almost like as a thematic like centerpiece to hold well, everything yeah, else. Was, but they didn't. But re- I, it almost about... seems like he wanted to do that too, and they just didn't execute it well. Yeah, one thing that um, I think the thing as far as the actual narrative goes that most bothered me was at the end when Jonathan Majors reads the letter from his father, mm-hmm. which is you know it's a nice heartfelt letter but at the same time you watched him say you're not my son you're dead to me and you never got that resolution so even though you have that letter that's really nice it doesn't cover up the fact that your own father's last words were you're dead to me but i think that's kind of the point i think that's kind of the point though of the character is that he's like ah there's so many instances in the film where characters just kind of teleport to a different part of their character arc yes and it's not really explained yeah i think paul for all the great things done with that character his descent into madness happens a little disjointedly just just almost instantly too the was it simone or the the french woman is she goes from her name's hetty or hetty or hetty yeah like hetty lamar but she goes from like at one point she says oh i was only saying those things because i was trying to get free and you kind of believe her yeah and then there's a then they make up and there's just kind of like yeah and then, and then a couple scenes later they're like jumps around again and i'm like what and then they're friends at the end and then she and then they get a cut of the pay i'm like why are they just giving these people money they could just easily say no I don't There's a lot of character things that needed just like an extra line of dialogue to bridge it from a few scenes ago yeah and the the uh, so the three people that are with uh the bomb diffusing thing you have um hetty you have paul walter hauser who's the chubby racist from black klansman then you have the skinny racist from black klansman who (laughs) they say he's english (laughs) i don't know what the fuck his english his accent was supposed to be french i don't know is he I don't know. He if he's supposed to be French, I could have swore either they said in the movie that he was oh, English not, not or the, the fat, subtitles not in the, the larger Netflix. One. No, I'm talking about the skinny one. I thought, I Is don't he know. supposed to be Maybe French? Not. Did they? Ever, I thought they, they introduced him as English. Which one was he? He was. He's the one who got blown up. Well, he's Finnish. Was there any establishment of why, so. like the fact that the people were going to be out in the middle of the field in the middle of nowhere and run into them? 
Like, why were they out? I, I understand, like, hey, I they're, he's probably hired doing by some, John they're probably Renault. doing some landmine stuff. But, like, they just ran into the exact spot they were at. No, that's fine. I can them. I can spend my disbelief for that. I don't like it, but I'm. I don't like it either. But I mean, issues. I guess I guess I accept it. It's not the it's not the most annoying thing about this movie. I did like the fact that they got uh, what's his name, Jean Reno, I think is the actor. Yeah, Jean Reno. Like that he was in it, um, but one underused and kind of just in there for two scenes. And then I did think it was I don't know if it was over the top, but it was it was kind of funny how. He's dressed in a white suit, and then he puts the MAGA hat on. The Donald like, Trump oh, imagery. This is subtle. Yes, it was so cringe. I'm like, it's just you're trying. I'm like, Spike, Spike Lee, you're, like you're trying your too film. hard, dude. I never heard of I metaphor. Enjoy. <laughs> it's black men in a gunfight with Donald Trump at the end of the scene. That's just what it is. He didn't even I, try to hide it either. I, he may as well. Have just I'm not even sure what thematic purpose that has. But, <laughs> it doesn't okay. at all. I it's enjoy. Just, I enjoy the fact that Paul is a, a Trump supporter. I think that's an interesting dynamic. Um, See, that's it. Lots of interesting stuff. Uh, never that I really get a good sense of, which is why I think the movie still works is because in kind of a reverse way, there's so much going on. There's so much I can think about, but that's more internally with me than the film is actually trying to say to me. And once, once again, yeah. I just want to reiterate I really appreciate what Spike Lee is trying to do. And I appreciate the message, obviously. But I think it's coming at a detriment to the quality of the, his films as well as the coherency, if that's a word. Coherence but that's, of his films? The ability to yeah. cohere his films. His, but at this point, that's sort of his, his That's thing. sort of his thing, I guess. I don't even... He may even just... He may be so self-aware... That he's just do he's just doing no. a lot of it on purpose at this point because he knows it does well. I don't know, I don't know. There's some part the, I'm trying to remember specifically what happened, but there's some scene. It's somewhere in the middle of the film. Someone's lecturing someone on something, and then all of a sudden it just hard cuts to like uh, footage that's completely unrelated that is thematic oh, to Spike Lee, obviously, the, but has nothing to do with the scene or the film. Yeah. And so then it just cuts I back enjoy, and the scene continues. And I was like, what is, what was I, that? I enjoy that PowerPoint presentation type interruption in the beginning. But the one part where I was just like, why was when they're on the landmine and Jonathan Majors is or Paul is telling his son, like what college you go to. And the guy's like, and he says the college. And then his son, his dad's like, oh, who went there? And then they do like a weird brief, like hit synopsis or like history on this Olympic athlete. Oh, and they and cut to like, the footage of why? it. Yes. This is, this yeah. is, might be what I was talking about. I don't remember now. I have a vague memory of this. And then it ends with him. Like you're going to fly like him. Exactly. And he didn't because he got pulled on a rope. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe I, now I think about it. I'm like, I guess that's kind of cool. And it kind of, it, it's just so Spike Lee. For Here, some, for speaking of that, Spike Lee, real world footage montages, this film begins with one, mm -hmm. um, it which, ends with one as well, which I enjoy on, on one end. I enjoyed, I think if you're looking at it from like a, a position of like 50 years from now, when the Vietnam war is even more of a distant memory, it's good to have that to kind of put you into the mood of what that place and time and where these characters are coming from. Um, at the same time, I think there is actual footage of someone getting shot and killed in yep, the opening. There's the, it's a very famous video of yeah, a man. You see who that's and, I'm like, I didn't need to see that spike. Fuck off. Yeah. With that. that was horrible. That like, 
I almost vomited. It's really just that one shot. The rest of it I could deal with just fine. When it has some other really kind of hard imagery, but that was just like that one was really bad. It was like geysering out of his head. I was like, "Fuck off, Spike!" Oh, I, I, I am a little morbid, and I've seen that video many times before. I forget that other people don't watch people die as often as I do. As that cares, (laughs) but. Yeah. It, it, here's the thing. It's different when you are going to watch that video for itself. Yeah. And then no, like, watching this movie and suddenly it's in your face. Oh, someone's there, dying. There's also a, a shot or I don't know if it's a video or a still image of a little girl that's very badly burned. Mm-hmm. It's like if in but, the middle yeah. of Schindler's List, they just threw in a shot of a guy lawn mowing puppies. Where it's like, why, the, why was that even necessary? I get that. No, but that's kind of... <laughs> That's, that's a horrible comparison. Speaking of violence, there's when the um, the v, the Vietnamese shoot Paul and kill him. Yeah, and the, like just riddle his body with with the uh, machine gun. Another instance of like tonal shifts in the film, of where like you are going for like splatterhouse gore there. Why is it? He here? got shot like fifty times. His. They like literally made him look like a like a cheese shredder or something. I'm Which, like, if anything, that's a perfect not, way to. They're not gonna do that, that. Is the perfect opportunity to invoke that video you're talking about? If you just shot him in the head and it was. Yes, I was just about to say like it's a serious moment. He's singing about like being peaceful to them, and just gunshot. That's it. He's dead. That feels more impactful than just like Sierra Madre, where Dobbs gets hacked. Mm-hmm practically off screen um did you guys notice how that scene kind of starts with just like a hard cut from uh lindo just like in the forest somewhere and then it just like hard cuts to him in the middle of the crowd with the guns at him they never really explain that he got yes. captured again or anything see was, i like that I were think they that was doing a good... was that like was that like the he's so insane he's not even realizing what's going on thing or was that just like poor editing well, I felt you didn't need to see them capture. Yeah, you don't. Them. Need well, I mean, to see I don't. Get, I guess you don't I, need I to there. see it, but it's just like a huge time jump that they don't signify with yeah. any. They don't really show. I felt that the movie could have used a bit more creative cutting. Oh, I mean, I agree. I'm not saying stuff. they didn't need more of it. I was just pointing out the one I noticed. Yeah, it does. What it does snake seems a little out do? of place, but it, it. I get its purpose. Oh, Spike Lee, this is what you do, right? Okay, Spike, you're kind of an activist, right? You want to spread a message. I appreciate that. But you have too many you, you have too many things you want to say. Get a piece of paper, write them all down. Write all your themes down. You probably had about 15 in this film. Then what you what I want you to do is just narrow that down. Pick ones that kind of relate to each other, kind of make sense, and then make a plot around that. And then for the other themes that you didn't use, just make another movie. Just make another one. Don't just force the other themes into the film that you're making just because they're topical to the time right now. The thing about Spike Lee is that at this point in time, he is a prolific filmmaker with a few really great films. He has been recently Oscar nominated. His films, even when they are not great, they're important considering the political climate right now. That paired with the fact that he is also a professor at NYU who gets a second living telling other filmmakers what to do. I think at this point, there is just so much ego to Spike Lee that you will not be able to convince him to cut things down, to simple it down, 
to shorten it in any way, but that's okay because that is kind of always been his thing. So, overall, and I mean, I will watch. I will watch every film he puts out. He's interesting, <laughs> even mm-hmm. when he's not great. He's at least interesting. I this was a good. And watch. I appreciate that he's trying stuff because not enough people just try stuff anymore. Yes, he still feels it feels fresh and yeah. new, and only in the way that Spike Lee does it. So that's another another positive There's passion. There. Yeah. And it, it, it's there's a lot of passion. So Too we shit passion, on this. Maybe, we shit on this movie a lot, but it's just because we know we know what Spike Lee's capable of. Because it has a lot of potential, and it has so it much potential. I really enjoy this story. When and I don't know if you guys knew, but it was the script was previously written by two dudes, Danny Boyle, I think. It was so yeah, it was supposed to go to someone else. No, 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 it wasn't written by Danny Boyle, but. The script was finished by two random other people, picked up by somebody, then dropped, and then Spike Lee got it from them and rewrote oh. it with him and another guy. So there's technically four screenwriting credits, but it's only two, really. It was rig- one of the original writers was Danny Bilson. Oh, so I saw Danny, and I just kind of so Danny Boyle's well. son. It was it was Oliver Stone who was set to direct originally. That's oh, right. that would be dropped out in 2016. Yeah, so it's been on it's been on the chopping board for a while, but Spike Lee picked it up and rewrote a lot of it. So, which partially might be some of the the messiness to blame. Yeah, there, I could it see that originally. I could see that and kind of grafted it into a story about African Americans in Vietnam. Either way, it, it's interesting. It's, it's a good. good. I, yeah. I I still recommend it, even though it's messy. I would I say think, for I the guess... for I, the the Lindo care the Lindo performance alone, even if you don't if you find no. Spike Lee egregious, I yeah. would watch it just based on that. I find every character to be at least somewhat interesting, but Otis and Paul and Jonathan Majors were the standouts. Um, yeah, you know, there's not there, there's a lot of shit coming out right now. This is a step above mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. Yeah. So I recommend it. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad Netflix is just giving these auteurs money to make Spike more movies. Lee. Give David, give David Lynch some fucking money. Netflix. How long do we have to wait for this? I would love season four of Twin Peaks. Please, Netflix. just um, give him something. Make let him make stuff. He doesn't want to make movies anymore. Is it? Is that true? Yeah, it's true. He hasn't made one since Netflix. Just let him make like a sixteen-hour movie. You know, deep down in his heart, he wants to make that. That's just what Tim Or just is. fund him. Just fund short films from David Lynch. I'd they watch are fun. more. Oh, what would I would Jack watch every, Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I love with more. What would Jack do? Trilogy. So yeah, hard. Uh, I'm not gonna say hard recommend, but definitely. Recommend. The What Would Lynch Do trilogy? Oh my god. The What Would Lynch Do trilogy? Yes, I would say watch it. That's my recommendation. Spike Lee, at least at the very least, always gives you movies to talk about. So, yes. 2020, good movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 2020 good movie. It's not 20, our movie. It is a 2020 good movie. <laughs>